So the law does these three kinds of things. And in fact, maybe we shouldn't talk about the three uses of the law because there's an idea around that pastors, when they preach, use the law three ways. So a pastor might be doing a little curb action or maybe he's now trying to kill them and do some mirror stuff. Then in the sermon, he does a little third use kind of thing and throws a little bit of direction in there for him. Well, there's a problem with that because, you see, the law isn't that easily manipulated because the law is simply God's will and it just does its thing whether I want it to or not. For example, I might be preaching along in my sermon well, I'll just give you my classic example. Say I'm standing up in the pulpit as a pastor, and I'm it's a it's a sermon text on fam, Christian families. So I'm really preaching to the guys, and I'm talking to them, and I'm saying, you know what? God expects you as a husband to give yourself to your wife. That's cool. So what I want you to do today, this is what God expects of you. You want I want you to go home today, and you should instead of spending your afternoon watching the NFL, wasting your mind and your time, spend your afternoon with your wife. Invest in her. Go shopping with her. Go for a walk with her. And people are going, whoa. Because that's what God expects you to do. He expects you to give up your time for the sake of your wife. He wants you to give yourself and invest yourself in your wife. So I've got three guys sitting out in my congregation. And the first guy says, oh. you know, this guy's been dragged to church by his wife out of obligation. He has no interest in anything for spiritual, but he happens to be there. And he's listening to me out of curiosity. And he hears me saying this stuff. He thinks, oh, man. Maybe that's what my wife is always trying to tell me. I don't know, maybe there's something to this. I bet if I go home and I just give my wife a couple of hours this afternoon, I'll probably be pretty happy. I bet I'll get her off my back. And she might even be so grateful it'll, you know, reflect in bed tonight. This is a cool thing. I think I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and so he goes home and he conforms to it. His wife's thrilled. He's a happy guy. What do we got here? But what's the law done? Curb, right? So it's done. God hasn't even entered the picture here. But has it done? Has it done its good work? Sure. It's helped conform his behavior. It's taught him to do something different. It's got him from doing something, kept him from doing a bad thing, helped him do a good thing. The law has functioned as curb. Now, was that my intention in preaching? Probably not. But that's what happened. Now, second row back, got another guy sitting there saying. That's what God expects of me. I know I've heard it before, and it's so right. I get so selfish. I don't think I could ever love my wife that way. I'm just, man, I am lost. I'm just, I'm doomed. Can't do it. I'm a failure. Worst husband alive. And he's just devastated by this. Killed. Has the law done its job? You bet. Second function, second use, mirror. Man, if you show me who I really am, I'm not that kind of guy at all. I'm dead. Terrible. He's crushed. Third row back. The guy's sitting there saying, God has given me the best wife in the world. Man, he has blessed me so much. He's given me my faith, and he's given me my, this great family. My wife would really benefit from me spending that time with her. I can't wait to go home and do that. That's a brilliant idea. I hadn't thought of that before my use of my time. That's a really important thing. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to dig in and do that. I can't wait to get home and do it. What's going on? I'd argue it's third. He's got a new insight into something he hadn't seen before. The law has taught him something, and it's benefiting <coughs> him as a Christian. It's functioning as a guide. Have I preached three different things? Nope. One thing. One law. Three very different outcomes. Because the, And you see, I thought I was using it for whatever. I was going to do a little third use. 
well, it came off very differently. And see, that's what the point <laughs> is, rather than talking about uses of the law, far better to talk about the functions of the law. The functions of the law. Because the law just does stuff. The law just does stuff. And I don't, I can't so easily manipulate it. I, all I can do is preach the law and just kind of let God do his thing. Let the Holy Spirit do his thing. And he does. And all three functions are appropriate, and all three of them happen. And they take place. So that's what the law does. Verb, mirror, guide. Works that way. Now, what about this guide thing? Luther never talked about it. Is that because Luther didn't believe he needed any help? And that once you get Christ, and once you have the gospel, stand back! Here comes the good works locomotive. You don't get run over by all the good works. Now, there are a lot of Christian Lutherans who believe that. Don't ever preach the third use of the law. My goodness, don't ruin the gospel that way. Just give them the gospel and stand back. And so you get things like the pastor who says, you're a sinner, you're alive in Christ. <laughs> and just waiting, okay, I'll do the good work and figure it out. Because this notion is, if I tell them what to do, oh man, you've just ruined the gospel. You've given them law again. Don't do that. But see, what's being betrayed here is this. It's the law-gospel polarity. It is the belief that somehow the law is inherently bad. It's not. The law is good, not bad. And so if I give somebody some direction and some insight and some counsel, that's just called helping them to figure out what it means to live the Christian life, helping them understand the will of God. It's not negative. What did the psalmist say? Psalm 119. You know that one? That's a big monster psalm that goes on forever. What's the basic theme of Psalm 119? How do I love the law? Let me count the ways. Every single verse of Psalm 119. You know that's an acrostic psalm, you know? You remember this, right? Every There's all these little sections in it. Each section, each verse starts with the same Hebrew letter all the way through it. It's pretty, pretty nifty. You miss all that in English, but in Hebrew it's pretty cool. So you got Aleph, Beth, and all these, all through the Hebrew alphabet, each section, each, every verse starts with that same letter in Hebrew. So it goes through the whole thing. And in every single verse of Psalm 119, there is some word for law. Every single verse. Commandment, law, statute, ordinance, whatever. And in every, throughout that whole psalm, what is the psalmist saying? Love God's law. I love your commandments. I love your ordinances. Why? Because he knows the law is not bad. Law is the will of God. It's a good thing. So we learn to recognize that the law has its good function and it works in our lives accomplishing its purpose. It's okay to talk about it. All right. Now, what are the potential dangers of talking about the law? Well, obviously the danger is people might think, well, if I really keep the law, then God's really got to like me, and then I'll get to go to heaven. Oh, that's called works righteousness, and that's definitely wrong. And so there's always the temptation to think that if I am keeping the law the way I should, then God must really be happy with me. And we've got to be careful with that, because that's just plain wrong as well. So antinomianism is a problem. Well, so is works righteousness. So we've got to look out for the evil of antinomianism, but we also have to look out for works righteousness or a legalism that goes with that, thinking that somehow if I keep the law, then God owes me. And he'll encounter that even among good so-called evangelicals who um, say Jesus saves me, but now that I tithe, God's going to bless me. All right? 
it's the same kind of error. You think that um, by your performance, you're really earning God's good graces and God's favor. And that's not quite right either. All right. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. 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 Oh, man, we're just cruising right along here. All right. Sometimes people make a big deal about the law, and they'll say that for Christians, it's not about shoulds, but about what they do. And we talk about this as making the distinction between the indicative or and the imperative, understanding parts of the law. So the imperative says, you must. And the indicative says, you do, you will, you are this way. And it's been popular in, in our circles to say, well, it's all about the indicative and the imperative is really kind of ruled out. So in other words, Christians do this. It's just what they do. They're Christians. That's true enough. But the expectation that God has that we should do certain things, that's still also there. So we have this sort of a sense of obligation or duty. That's not ruled out just because the gospel comes into play. We have our responsibilities. In fact, in the book of Concord, it will even say something like this. Good works are necessary. True or false? True statement. Good works are necessary. Not for salvation, but they're necessary for the Christian life. They're necessary for service in this world. And this actually the thing that helps here a lot as well. To realize that the curb is really dealing with horizontal stuff, stuff in the civil realm, me and other people. The mirror is really dealing with me and God and where I stand in the vertical realm in light of God and his command and his forgiveness. Then the guide even though it flows out of my relationship to God, really, it's just interested in, once again, me and my relationship with other people and my responsibility to them, the things I need to do for them, the things I need to perform to help them. So keeping straight this kind of horizontal vertical helps a lot. And one of the consistent things you begin to see is a lot of mistakes get made when we start confusing the vertical and the horizontal. And we think we've got forgiveness, so therefore we're forgiven or we're set free from any obligations. That's not right. Or, on the other hand, we think that somehow my performance in the horizontal realm and my good deeds earns God's favor and earns his special forgiveness. And that's not right either. We have to be very careful not to confuse the vertical and the horizontal or getting anything mixed up that way. Questions? It's just so evident, huh? Okay. No one wants to argue with me on the third use of the law. Uh, I was noticing a pattern. What's that? So I was kind of noticing a pattern. We we see the law, and we get the uh, curve or the mirror, which shows us the need for a savior, the yeah. gospel. Yeah. But then, in having a savior, we kind of reflect back to the law and how we should live as saved Christians. Right. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a pattern here. <coughs> and the and the re and the, I think the 
the bottom line thing to recognize here is that those two kinds of righteousness are the two different spheres in which we operate, the vertical and the horizontal. 